Kia you're on the panel on RNZ National. Wallace, Ch- Wallace here, I'm with Sarah Sparks and Alan McRoy this afternoon. Now, uh, Christchurch, a crash on State Highway, Carmen Road. Due to a crash, State Highway 1, Masham Road, Carmen Road is currently closed between Yaldhurst Road and Waterloo Road. Motorists are advised to avoid the area and expect delays. So that was at 345 PM, so presumably still closed there. Well, if there is one issue that is keeping many thousands of New Zealanders awake at night, it is this issue. How much more a fortnight will my new mortgage rate add? The country is facing a refinancing wave as people set to lock in their new mortgage rates. It will affect around 60% of Households. Now, Anna Dean is a panellist, also a fairly new homeowner. I asked her how worried she is. I feel more like I've been frozen, like a deer in the headlights, really not knowing how to approach this. I'm a, I'm one of those people who bought my house in the last two years, so so paid a lot, and when interest rates were low, and just having that incredible reality check um, coming fast down the line. I don't have a partner that I can talk about this kind of stuff through and actually did put a post on Facebook yesterday and had so many people get in touch and tell me how it all works. So I'm actually feeling a little more relieved today. The, I mean, can I ask you, it'll go up. Have you done the sums yet? Uh, not in terms of the sums, but percentage, does it go up uh, by a fair percent? Absolutely, probably three to four percent. Oh, yeah. So I've been trying to work out what that looks like, how I can afford it, what my options are, and um, you know, it's a it's a good time to try and be a bit creative. But it was a stretch for me to purchase my own home by myself. Um, first home buyers really face face you know such a such a high bar these days. Um, it was a miracle to get in there and then now to be staring down this kind of, uh, you know, change. It's quite overwhelming. It's uh, Anna Dean there, so uh, stretched to, to buy her very first time, what, a year and a half ago. Calvin Davidson is a senior property economist with CoreLogic. Kia ora, Calvin. Hey, here you go. Yes, so um, uh, Anna said off air she was freaking out about this issue. I'm sure that will be reflected with many, many New Zealanders listening to this around the country. Yeah, that's that's right. Certainly we're seeing a key theme in the property market at the moment being this repricing wave. So a big wave of people who might have already had one repricing on their fixed loan but are due to come up for another one this year and and still looking at pretty substantial changes on the scale that uh, she just talked about. So that would mean coming off, you know, historically very low interest rates into substantially higher ones. Anna is saying it it would be probably around 4% for her. That's uh, that's probably towards the higher end of, of estimates. So I suspect I think typically people would probably be looking more at two and a half to three yep. percent. But that's not downplaying that. It's it's still quite significant. And it depends, of course, when you took out your loan originally. So people who have been on a series of one year fixes will, will typically be looking at two and a half or three percent. But it, can, it certainly converts into many thousands of dollars per year. Sarah, does it affect you? No, it doesn't. Uh, thanks to a ten year. 
terrible divorce litigation episode. <laughs> I'm a renter. But one thing, uh, my father, being the great farmer he is and very conservative, he always taught me about to beware of debt and always live well and truly within your means because, you know, in life, plans don't go to plan. So um, I feel for the for the people that are really um, facing the stress of, of what's happening with the impact and having to renegotiate their mortgages. But no, I'm unfortunately, I'm in that saving up the nest egg phase. Okay, yes indeed. What about you, Alan McElroy? You've got, uh, you bought your home not that long ago. Uh, before pre-COVID, just not that long before, uh, I managed to get a decent deal in a good location, but my mortgage rates, my repayments have gone up by $1,000 a month over the last year already. Already? Uh, yeah, already. $1,000 a month? A month already, so that's what, 150 200 a week. So, which is, you ask me why I'm travelling everywhere to work, that's why I have, I can't take a day off, I have to go and work non-stop mm. to try and get on top. Uh, I am on top of it, but it is terrifying. We're also looking at, because the area is good, we could rent out and move. We could, you know, if it got that bad, we could probably rent the, the house, uh, the place out in Eden Terrace between the two train stations and move somewhere Goodness. if it gets that bad. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, uh, get in touch with me, 2101, or you can email me, the panel at rnz.co.nz. How are you feeling about this uh, new refinancing wave? Uh, so I'm looking at some numbers here. For, as an example, Calvin, you know, if you are, say, on 4%, going on to 6.5%, you have, what, a half-million-dollar mortgage. You know, you're nudging 10K a year. Yep, yep, that's right, and that's pretty similar with uh, what the panellists were just just talking about, those sort of sums of money. I I suppose one thing I would point out in amongst all of this, and it might be sort of slightly cold comfort, but it's, it's important to point out that the rise in unemployment that people are talking about over the next little while is actually more about new people coming into the labour force. It's not about job losses. So I'm not sort of downplaying it or anything, but mm. if people are holding on to their jobs, at least they've still got an income. Yes, it'll be a stretch on finances, but it is an important distinction to make that generally if people are in work now, they'll probably stay in work. And so that's at least one buffer. So that's a little bit of a silver lining. Okay. Uh, still not a strain on people's finances. Yeah, I mean, I always worry about those people, um, and I'm in that cohort, who haven't got their home yet that they own and the gap is getting wider and wider and like quite frankly the housing crisis in Aotearoa has not been dealt with and it's just getting worse as time goes on but in saying that I'm also very hopeful and uh, I'm at the National Māori Housing Conference this weekend and listening to some exceptional speakers uh, on initiatives where people are uh, developing and building affordable housing and rent to own as well. So I'm looking forward There'll to that. There'll be a whole lot of other uh, p- p- possible solutions coming out of that. Sounds interesting, Sarah. Just yeah. finally, Calvin, has there been an increase in borrowers missing repayments? Uh, to be fair, on the stats we've seen so far, not really. So that's still a risk out there, I suppose, that people are very much alert to. But in the figures so far, not really seeing it. Non-performing loans on banks' books are very low. We're not seeing mortgage sales. Generally, people are finding a way. So this refinancing wave so far has actually been handled fairly well, but you can't downplay the risks that are out there, especially if we did see some job losses. So certainly a big thing for the market this year.
Indeed. Kia ora, Calvin. Thank you for that. That's Calvin Davidson, Senior Property Economist uh, with uh, CoreLogic. So talking about the refinancing wave, it'll affect around 60% of households. Deborah says, Kia ora, Wallace. I'm anticipating an increase of five to $600 per fortnight. It's a scary prospect as a sole parent. I'm trying to save a bit of dollars ahead of the increase in June and we'll have to cut back spending in other areas. So um, $600 a fortnight. It's crazy. It's a lot of money to whip up magic out, right? Absolutely, and especially if you're by yourself. You yeah. know, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm very concerned. Uh, mortgage repayments have gone up $2,000 per month. I have rented out the spare bedroom to, to, for two forty a week and the garage for another $80 per week. Hard but necessary changes. Keep that feedback coming. Thank you. The 2101 is the number to text. Well, Prime Minister Chris Hipkins has said that politicians need to be eyes wide open about polarisation this election. He said on Morning Report that the polarising debate in the wake of Posey Parker visit is not helpful. Now, this follows comments from Green Party coded of Marama Davidson saying, quote, unquote, white cis men were the main perpetrators of violence in the world at the weekend. She made the comment just after she had been hit by a motorcycle as she was leaving uh, the counter-protest to anti-trans activist Posey Parker. And she apologised to Prime Minister Chris Hipkins for that comment. And Chris Luxon and Chris Hipkins have clashed in Parliament this afternoon on that issue. Well, our next guest says New Zealand's social cohesion is at stake. And we would not like to see New Zealand get to a point where things were as polarised as they were in some other countries. Sir Peter Gluckman is a researcher, scientist and former Prime Minister's Chief Science Advisor and Director of Koitu Centre for Informed Futures. Sir Peter, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. Yeah, good to have you on, Sir Peter. You released some research you know, two or three years ago, back in 2020, said that social cohesion was an issue. So this is way before the Posey Parker visits. Where do you think that stemmed from, this absence well, or this... Growing- yeah. It's been growing for a number of years, Wallace. I mean, in particular, the the, the advent of social media allow and, the, and associated with that the distribution of anonymous ad hominem attack of intentional disinformation, what some people would call weaponised narratives, has tended to push people apart and change the nature of the conversation. Unfortunately, politicians fall into the same trap, and they think that they can they can achieve greater support by being antagonistic rather than constructive. And New Zealand's fun, and societies are one, of one or two types. They are either those that are relatively autocratic, where agency of individuals is lost, or they're a true democracy. And in a democracy, people need to be able to work alongside each other even if they don't agree, and have a consensus on how decisions are reached. And just because you have one view and a person has another view doesn't mean you have to be uh, uh, antagonistic to each other. But we throw around epithets like racist and whatever other is now randomly without thinking through what, what's really being said. And that, that kind of attitude pushes people further apart. On top of that, 
We need to trust in the institutions of our society for them to be cohesive. And again, that requires transparency, truth, and good behaviours from those who run the institutions of our society. Uh, Panellists will have things to say on this, but uh, of note you said that it is a concern that it is across democracies also that we are seeing polarised societies. So this is happening in some pretty uh, key democracies. It's happening in all democracies because, in fact, the, the combination of the means of distribution of misinformation, of epithets, of accusations, and the fact that people tend to live more and more in echo bubbles of only talking to people who think like they do leads to a phenomenon which is called identity fusion, which leads people to be pushed apart and communities to be split apart. And we need to be very aware that there are actors out there who exploit this, including political parties, including non-state actors, including state actors. And around the world, we've seen, and we've been more resistant to it until recently than, say, North America, but we've seen progressively that instead of ideology and policy determining party politics, party politics is determined by one's attitude to the other party. What determines a Democrat is they don't like being, don't like Republicans and vice versa. Now, that phenomenon has not yet reached New Zealand in, in depth, but it's starting to emerge. And we're seeing that in things like the parliamentary protests. We're seeing it in the events over the last weekend. We're, we're seeing it in other ways. So we're seeing young people being disaffected from politics. We're seeing people not respecting the boundaries of society, which have been there uh, for the last 50 or 60 years, and the boundaries of goods, of, of civil discourse, are being broken repeatedly. The boundaries of respecting the state are being broken repeatedly. So we, 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 we need to be conscious that how all of us behave, the media, the politicians, members of society will determine the shape of the society into the future. All right, let's uh, bring in our uh, panellists as well. Sarah, uh, do you agree with uh, Sir Peter there or not? I uh, agree with some. Uh, I mean, this is, a me this is a complex area. So in the case of Aotearoa, uh, you know, absolutely it's about using power with principle. You know, it goes from the individual in terms of how we treat each other because ultimately, from my point of view, we're all brothers and sisters in this world, right? And if it's not mana-enhancing, don't say it. <laughs> don't, just don't. Don't go there because it's going to be hurtful and harmful. So in terms of... Um, the history, the whakapapa of Aotearoa and, you know, on Māori and, and what has gone down with, uh, you know, the state and institutions, I'm not going to go there, but there is a, a, a lack of trust uh, and rightly so, given some of the history. So there's a complexity there and a nuance that plays underneath the country at all times. Uh, in terms of what happened uh, as of late last weekend with with um, with Posey Parker and um, you know Minister Davidson getting injured, you know what I will, of that? I will say this, and I'm biased and rightly so. I have seen Minister Davidson work so hard getting to Aurekura, the national strategy against family violence and sexual violence. 
off the ground, heart and soul. And uh, the fact that she was probably in shock and, and she, she said what she said um, needs some compassion and empathy because her actions actually speak volumes. All right, uh, stay there, Sir Peter. Let's bring in uh, Alan McRoy. And I just think, I just realised now, if there was one country that was defined by polarisation... Yeah, <laughs> it's your country, Ireland. Yeah, it was uh, interesting when we were younger. Uh, you were told you were sort of influenced not to like certain people who followed a different football team because of a different religion. Blah blah blah. You know all that story. But years uh, when we were in our twenties uh, on the dole between the Northern Irish dole and the and the Republic dole, they sent us all. We studied media and then we went to Canada and we didn't know anyone's religion or, or anything, sexuality, or they just were your friends. And you only realised when you came back after the weekend and somebody said, oh, I went to see Rangers play at the weekend. And you go, oh, we're supposed to hate you. But we were friends because none of that was, none of that was talked about. No sectarianism, none of that was just people sitting around watching telly, having drinks, having a laugh and, you know, eating biscuits. Uh, yeah, you know, right. just just normal stuff. Interesting. So, so Peter, you, you've heard you might want to respond to this. And what do you say to those who say you know, that sometimes that human rights and uni- the universal declaration of human rights are so fundamental that actually you need to take a stand and people who come here need to be called out? What do you say? Well, first of all, rights and responsibilities are the, uh, the opposite sides of the same coin. And rights and responsibilities go together. I'm not going to get into the events of Saturday because I think they're irrelevant to the deeper issue of how New Zealand evolves as a society. Mm-hmm. I think Sarah is quite right that there, are, that there are people in this country who have, particularly Maori, who have a particular reason for being suspicious of the way society has, has operated for them. And I think Sarah's right, and therefore, in pointing out, and I would agree with her, that different people have different views of where they sit in society and whether they trust government and whether they trust other elements of our country. But if you think about what is democracy, democracy is the only structure you have which leaves people with agency, but at the same time allows people of different views to work together for the, glo- for the cooperative good of the society they live in. We need to protect that. And, and while there are reasons, as Sarah's pointed out, why certain people justifiably feel angry, anxious and scared or frustrated uh, or other emotions, the fact is that the current milieu of the information environment exacerbates that, pulls us apart, that brings us together. And I think we need processes. Okay. We need to bring the institutions together that bring us together. Very good to have you on, Sir Peter. Kia ora. Thank you for your time. That is uh, Sir Peter Gluckman, researcher, scientist and former Prime Minister's chief science advisor there. I was just interesting, uh, more about your your actual experiences there because uh, I went to, a, actually because of you, yeah. I went to a, a party of Irish drain layers yeah. uh, and it was a christening. Uh, Sounds <laughs> like a joke already, doesn't it? <laughs> They wondered. They wondered. They all wanted to know all about you, whether you're upper class or lower class. I'm very lower <laughs> class. I am scum. Uh, I've told you all this before. Like you know, similar to what uh, he was saying there, uh, we were sort of told that we wouldn't go anywhere because of the area we're from, because of well, our accent. So what, you believe that? You what know, came out? What came out? I said, "What about this person? Oh, that person over there having a drink. He's from Sniper Town." <laughs> yeah, and I couldn't believe 
some of the stories that was coming out, some of the experiences that people have had. Yeah. Um, towns where you'd have snipers on the roof. Yeah. Towns where if you'd walk through, uh, there'd be bottles with um, liquid in them thrown through windows. Yeah. It's, obviously, how, it's not how, like that now. No, but, how, yeah. did, how did you get past all that? Talking. You, we, we've said it before, talking. That's all. You know, there's no point in, you know, fighting. Just sit down and talk. That's all you have to do. Get the biscuits, sit down, have a talk. Everyone will have something in common. Find it. You know what I mean? Instead of going, your football team is this and you shouldn't be doing that, blah, blah, blah. Just talk. Absolutely. You're on the panel on RNZ National. Now, a principal, Hope Carasquilla, has resigned after Florida students sh- were shown the Michelangelo statue. The students from a Christian charter school in Tallahassee were on a trip and were shown the statue, David, by Michelangelo, you know, one of the most famous works in human history. The board told him... Uh, sorry, sorry, the board told the principal to step down and be fired after some parents complained that statue is pornographic. And I wanted to go around the panel and say, look, what do you think of this? Is there a point? Should there be a cap, like an age limit of, say, six and above, where you go and see a statue like David? Mm. I don't know. Like, it's... Willies are willies. You see them as a kid. You, you know about. You go to a swimming bath. Here's your quote. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not. It's art. If you look at most art, it's there. You got to appreciate it. If you're focusing on the willy, then there's something wrong with you. You know what I mean? Look at the whole art piece. Look at his hair. His hair is gorgeous. Not as willy. Do you know what I mean? It's just. It's. I think it's insane. Just you know, it's but not. You porn. can't. But you can't help but see it. Yeah, because you're looking for it. You know what I mean? If you're if you're just looking at the art, I shouldn't say as a whole. If you're looking at the art itself, then just look at the art. But if people are trying to find, uh, and and then it goes to when we were saying people calling people racist and blah. You can't just go that's a statue and go that's porn. It's like have you seen porn? It's a statue. That's just a statue. It's not porn. Sarah. Wow. Two things: perceptions, reality for some people, right? And obviously it was, you know, an ill perception in this context. I I think it's a classic lack of community engagement. Talk to the parents. Find out where they're at. And, you know, if if they are very conservative and this is a no-go zone, you don't go there. It's pretty simple. Don't go and see them. One of the the great works in all of history, you don't go because it's pornographic. Not saying that, um, just saying go and talk to the community and ask them what they would like. What are their expectations? And if they're parents of young minors and children, they're the ones in charge, and you go with them. I mean, I I look at it from a service point of view. As the principal or a teacher, you're serving that family, essentially. You're looking after their cherished child Ask, give them the money and respect and ask them. Ask the kids. Ask them. Yeah, ask the parents, do you want your kid to see the statue of David? And they'd probably say, yeah. But if you say you want to see, let your kid see this pornographic statue of a man with his willy out, they're going to say no. No. See? Perception. You're on the panel on RNZ National. Alan McRoy and Sarah Sparks with me. 